There's never a dull moment when it comes to Minnesota sports. Rather, it's positive or negative. The Yankees have swept the Twins. Minnesota Sports Chat has you covered. Talking nothing but Minnesota sports all year long. It's time now for the soon-to-be award-winning, if only in his own mind, Minnesota Sports Chat with your host, Ross Brendel. Here we go. Edition number 180 of the soon-to-be award-winning Minnesota Sports Chat. The Golden Gophers Football Preview and Review Edition. Brought to you by Beans Coffee Company with Daniel House from GophersGuru.com in just moments. Thanks to Beans Coffee Company for bringing you this pod and looking for that perfect light roast, medium roast, dark roast, whatever it is you're looking for. Visit CoffeeByBeans.com. The folks at Beans Coffee Company, they have what you're looking for, the best coffee around. Order by the bag, order by the subscription, set it up in one to eight week intervals. Create your own destiny when it comes to your morning cup of coffee. Again, the website, coffeebybeans.com. Use the promo code SPORTSCHAT. That's SPORTSCHAT, all one word. You'll save at checkout. Beans Coffee Company ships anywhere in the U.S. for free on all orders of $35 or more. Coffeebybeans.com is the website. The promo code is SPORTSCHAT. When you hear this music, that means it's time for Daniel House and the Gophers Football Preview and Review Edition. Mr. Daniel House, I've already forgot your new X handle. What is it? At Daniel House MN. There we go. I should know that. I'll get it down. Give me like six months. I'm still struggling with TCF Bank, U.S. Bank, and Huntington Bank, so... In all honesty, it might take more than six months, so just uh, be prepared to correct me on that multiple times. Uh, Gophers coming off a, I'll call it fairly dominating 25, no, yeah, 25 to 6 victory over Eastern Michigan. Haller up and span forward to the bottom side. Taylor right up the gut, and he's in for a touchdown. Nice day for our buddy Taylor on the ground. Nice day for the Gophers on the ground, rushing for almost 300 yards as a team. Again, final score 25 to 6. I think the Gophers dominated the game a bit more than the score would indicate. I think the second half in the head coach's eyes and most of the fans' eyes, much more aesthetically pleasing than the first half, Daniel House. Yeah, I thought the second half was dominant on the defensive side. Uh, four total yards, zero first downs. When I get to the offseason, I am investigating how many times a defense has held an offense to zero first downs and a half of football, especially in the modern era. Absolutely crazy. They were a little scattered in the first half, I thought, in terms of like eye discipline, setting edges, tackling. It was leaky at times, but... They didn't give up the big play. They're doing an awesome job of limiting explosive plays. They're number two in the country right now in limiting explosive plays. And that's a variable for success, limiting points, uh, not allowing teams to have those stark changes in field position with explosive plays. And 
Uh, I thought the second half showed you some flashes of things like Devin Eastern being able to deconstruct blocks, starting to under apply some of the technique and maximize those physical and athletic traits. Kyler Ball had an amazing game. Yes, Couple he did. Sacks, numerous, I think four, uh, four or five pressures led the team in that category, which that was the key coming into the season for me. I pounded that home all offseason that the interior defensive line had to play at a high level if this team was going to be successful. So watching them the first two games and seeing Devin Eastern even not fully tap the potential yet, like he's just on the surface level, it is very encouraging. And this is going to be a big factor this week, Ross. This pass rush has to be able to get after an O-line that I feel is exploitable to get after Drake May, who is fantastic when he's clean in the pocket. Okay, we'll get to North Carolina here in just moments, but on that defensive line and creating pressure and getting into the backfield, getting to the quarterback, getting home, have you seen enough through two games against, I think, again, I I wouldn't say two uh, national championship contenders, but I think (laughs) two programs that are still maybe heading in slightly different directions, but not complete also-rans. Again, Eastern Michigan won nine games in a bowl game last year. Nebraska, a Big Ten opponent. Have you started to see enough from the defensive line to think that this is maybe more of a trend than it is a mirage in getting pressure on the starting quarterback? I tell you, I see such a huge difference with Winston coaching the defensive line. Uh, Dot coming in, too, as an analyst. Those two guys as coaches have really maximized the technique of these players, watching their rushes, how they're approaching the passers plan over the course of games, dialing into those details. Those are the things that make a huge difference over the course of games, and I'm noticing a big difference. I know, like you said, it's hard to get a gauge sometimes, but early in the season, but I feel as if what I saw the spring, the fall, and now into the first couple games of the season, this defensive line has a chance to play very well when they need it most in some of these big games. Another takeaway from Saturday that has nothing to do with the team on the field, but maybe gives them a little bit of a boost at times. Typically when a team like Eastern Michigan comes to town, Daniel, and maybe the Gophers were aided by it being an evening game on Big Ten Network, which, by the way, thanks to them for the highlight, a pretty darn good crowd. I mean, it would be nice if we were at the point where the Gophers were getting 50,000 a night. Maybe we'll be there at some point. But that was a pretty darn good crowd, and specifically the student section now for the better part of a season plus two games really packing their end of the stadium and living up to their end of the stadium deal of their 10,000-ish tickets. I think that's been something that's been nice for the growth of the program over the last handful of years. It's nice to look up there early on in the first quarter, no matter what the start time is, Daniel House, and see the student section completely packed. I've said it the last few years. Every season, the student section amps up and there's more energy for go for football. And I don't even think it's just the student section. I thought the crowd was strong in general. The atmospheres have been very good for these first two games. And there's a lot of excitement around go for football, where the program's at. And now going to North Carolina, there'll be a lot of Gopher fans heading out to Chapel Hill. I'm hearing so many people that are making that trip. So I, I am 
excited for this game, Ross. This could be one of the best games in college football this week. Yeah, my season ticket buddies who sit next to us in, uh, call it Section 235, I guess I'll give away the location. They're heading out to Chapel Hill. They're actually leaving because of the game time. They're leaving like super early on Saturday morning. So good for them. I hope they and all the Gophers fans heading out there have a ton of fun. That's one thing, too, for Gopher football that people, I think, are starting to realize, even with bowl committees. Gopher football travels pretty well, and it's probably because we're deprived of nice things when you get into the fall and the (laughs) winter, so we'd love to go to other locations. So I hope anybody heading out to North Carolina has a ton of fun. And, And the closer we've gotten to game time, Daniel, it's a game I think the Gophers, I'm not guaranteeing that they'll win. I I still don't necessarily think they will, but I wouldn't be shocked at all. I think because of the defense, they'll be able to do some things to stay in the game. And hopefully last week, by establishing that run game, they're able to help set up that pass game more against a North Carolina defense that I think they can move the ball on. Here is University of Minnesota head football coach P.J. Fleck on that North Carolina program from his press conference earlier this week. They're sound in what they do. They're listening to the situational football, and they're doing it for each other collectively. And, uh, you know, they're, they're as advertised. They're ranked right where they should be, if not a little higher. I mean, they're, they're a really good football team. Uh, and you could see the, the will to win last week. You watch that game and you watch those overtimes. I mean, I mean, there's no way that they weren't coming out of there with a victory. They have a winning mentality, you can tell, and that's from Mac all the way down to all their coaches, to their leaders, and, and probably even the young players. North Carolina currently ranked 20th in the country. The Gophers don't have a road win against a top 25 team since 2014. Daniel, the opportunity is there. North Carolina's favored. They should be favored. But if the Gophers get defense pretty comparable to what they've seen the first two weeks of the season, they can go into Chapel Hill and come out victorious and maybe find themselves in the top 25 at this time next week. Fascinating football game. I see exploitable matchups for the Gophers. Offensive line in North Carolina, I said coming into the season that I thought they could potentially win that battle up front and uh, nothing's really changed there. William Barnes was at left tackle starting the season. They ended up moving him to right guard. Uh, Spencer Rollins on the right side at right tackle. I see them not being able to handle lateral agility well, so I think the stunt game is something that the Gophers can use a lot of, force them to have to move side to side, uh, dial up some zone blitzes occasionally, but play it safe with you know simulated pressures where you drop a defensive end and send a second or third level defender so really you're given that illusion that you're blitzing but you're really only rushing four and having coverage in the back end because uh drake may when you look at the numbers he's been very effective against blitz pressure so you got to find that happy medium between applying pressure and you know with four and bringing those rushers occasionally because uh if if you aren't able to hold the pocket and let him escape and extend. He led the nation last year in scrambles, and a large majority of those came versus initial pressure. So uh, keeping him in the pocket is going to be a paramount aspect of this game and getting push up the middle. Well, one of those things when we talk about the pass rush developing house and getting stronger is it's very important to get pressure with just four. That way you're not always blitzing because the moment you start almost always blitzing, Good quarterbacks like top NFL prospects like Drake May, prospects, excuse me, 
they're going to pick you apart. It doesn't matter how good or how solid you feel like your defense is. So if the Gophers are going to win, they're going to have to keep that containment and also get pressure, not just with the blitz, but find some pressure with that front four. Well, yeah, and you have to be good on first and second down. you got to be able to play the run. they got two physical backs uh, that are 5'11", 225. You know, Marion Hampton had a big game. I think he swarmed to the ball and wrap up. He's more of an inside runner type of uh, running back. So uh, being able to play the run, get them into long down passing situations, that's been the case through the first couple of games, Ross. They've only been in passing down situations at a 22% clip, 11th lowest rate in the FBS. And when they've been in those passing down situations – their uh, success rate's like 30%. That's 78th out of about 134 programs. So when I look at this game, I see Minnesota's defense has to get uh, North Carolina backed up uh, in long down situations because if they're fishing and ahead of the sticks, that opens up a lot of opportunities to uh, attack downfield. I don't think this wide receiver group is overly impressive. Uh, Tez Walker was obviously someone they were counting on, weren't able to get that eligibility waiver. So Minnesota, Which is crap, see- by the way. It's a crazy thing. But I look at this game being able to play zone, keep things in front of you, but be able to actively rush with four and move those guys around to exploit uh, some of those matchups up front. We'll be definitely diving into that in deeper detail in the game preview coming out on the website soon. So a couple of weeks ago, after the Nebraska victory, P.J. Fleck mentioned this might be a team that's going to have to pass to open up the run a little bit. Do you mm-hmm. envision that that will have to happen against North Carolina because early on here for Ethan Kaliak Manis, the numbers are not that impressive. Just over 300 passing yards in two games, one touchdown pass, two interceptions. That's not going to be a recipe, I think, for competing in this game, nor will it be against like the Michigans and the Ohio States of the world. So what realistically will the Gophers be able to do offensively and what are they hoping to do offensively against North Carolina? I, my hunch is, you know, PJ has said, the full, our philosophy hasn't changed, and, and I get that. They're going to want to run the ball to control the clock and keep Drake May on the sidelines, but you're going to have to pass the ball a little bit. Yeah, and your strategy in these type of games is different because of this new clock rule, Ross, where you're losing possessions, and so you have to be very efficient with the ones that you get. you got to come away with points. Maybe you got to attack down the field more to create a couple uh, additional possession. I see them being able to do what the defense is giving them each week. So whether that's running the ball more, passing the ball, I said that entering the season, you got to be multidimensional. Last year, it felt like they were pretty one-dimensional since because you know, teams were stacking the box to play the run and they weren't able to get enough separation on the outside, which hurt them. Now it's like, okay, the defense, do you want to, you know, stack the box to play the run and create good matchups on the perimeter, or do you want to, you know, take away the pass, have lighter boxes and run into that. Minnesota can dictate how they want to approach things based on the flow of the game. You're going to see a single high defense here with a lot of cover three, some cover one, some zone pressures will drop out into cover two. So you got two high safeties out there. You can run into those type of looks. Uh, They like to do that in a longer down situations. So what I would say is definitely, Notice the the quick hitting type of passes, so those hitches on the perimeter, those speed cuts outside the numbers to try to get five, six, seven yards on first down, second down. This game offensively will be dictated on who is best uh, at first down because North Carolina, their passers, they had 55 pressures through the first two games, 98th percentile among FBS programs. 
So what's really helped them is getting teams backed up, especially on first down. They had three first down sacks, three negative uh, run plays that they forced against South Carolina. South Carolina's average second down to go distance was 12 yards. So I look at their pass rush was able to get going because they had teams in those favorable situations. Minnesota has to be able to pick up positive yards on first down to be able to open up the playbook and limit uh, predictability when it comes to whether you're going to run and pass and, and that play action game will be aided by that. How much, if any, do you pay attention to things like ESPN's matchup predictor? Do you put any weight into them? Do you pay any attention to them? Absolutely not. I don't look at any of that stuff. I, I totally base my opinion on the game based off what the things that I look at. There are numbers that I look at, I feel contribute to success, and then the film side of it. I think Minnesota will win this game. I've been that way for Love a while. That. I feel Love I feel that. the matchup. I feel the matchups. Uh, I feel they'll exploit some big time matchups. We're going to talk about that in the in the preview piece, but there are things that Minnesota can do schematically to to exploit some stuff. Well, the one thing that I look at, and then we'll go more into the into the preview. The one thing that I look at that I just laugh at. So last week for Eastern Michigan per ESPN, the Gophers had like a 96 and a half percent chance to win in which I laugh and say, well, one, what does that even mean Two, clearly the matchup predictor, even though some would say the three and a half percent is taking into account this clearly, it doesn't remember Miami of Ohio, almost coming here and winning bowling green, coming here and winning a bad Illinois, bad Illinois team. And Brett Bielema's first year coming here and winning uh, for whatever it's worth, Daniel House, ESPN gives the Gophers a 27.1% chance at winning this Saturday. Mm. So, you know what? If you don't feel all that confident in the 27%, maybe don't watch the game, Gophers fans. I just, that's, that's, I, that's my just way of saying, that's just my way of saying I find that stuff ridiculous. Like, I, I, what does that even mean? Like, I don't even know what that even means. And by the way, even if you told me there's only a 27% chance if that was gospel, well, that means if we watch the game a hundred times, there's still 27 chances that the Gophers might win. So, of course, I'm going to pay attention. Yeah, I don't, I don't get that number. That is unusually low. This is going to be a fun game to watch because there's a lot of talent on the field, some schemes that are are fun. Like, it, I've been waiting for this matchup all offseason. This was the one that the Gophers. They, they get to go into this environment, have a lot of fans there, play a top 25 team. I mean, it, it doesn't get any better than this early in the season. I said this game could dictate the tone of the rest of the season. If you go out there and find a way to win on the road against a, a good team, uh, it can really open up uh, a lot of opportunities for the rest of the season and increase confidence. So we've already done a fair amount to preview for this game. Gophers at North Carolina at a dentist's favorite time, 230 North Carolina also coming in 2-0. They are 20th ranked in the country. What are you specifically looking for in this game and how specifically early in the game, both offensively and defensively from the Gophers, what can set a winning tone for the University of Minnesota on Saturday? Coming out strong. Can't start slow. You got to be able to set the tone, get off to a quick start, maybe grab an early lead. I look at North Carolina secondary. They've already allowed 11 passing plays at 20 plus yards, which is in the seven percentile. So pretty low. Elijah Hussey, uh, 
a slot cornerback. I think he's kind of the guy to exploit matchup wise. Like I said, hit on some of those crossers when they're playing those cover three defensive schemes. So getting your guys moving away from the defense, uh, you know, trying to hit over the middle, uh, stretch that safety out and create space, uh, speed cuts and curls on the outside, bubble screens and swings in space. I think a lot of these bootleg uh, passing concepts, these three-level ones that they've been running, will be effective uh, against the secondary. That's the matchup I'm watching the most. I think Minnesota, if they can pass protect up front, stay ahead of the sticks, don't get backed up, they can exploit the secondary. And then on the other side, being able to limit Drake May's play extension ability. He likes to hold on to that ball a long time, especially last year. I think that's kind of dictated with Phil Longo's scheme, uh, how, what he's asked to do. But you got to be able to not allow him to step away from initial pressure and keep a play alive. You got to hold him in the pocket, push him up the middle, and find that happy balance between, you know, blitzing, but also being able to win with four. Because you look at the numbers, Ross, uh, when he's blitzed last season, 19 TDs and two picks. Uh, that's pretty good numbers. Uh, a completion percentage, I think, like 57 and a half uh, when blitzed. So he definitely exploited that. So I think Minnesota is going to have to win with four rushers and then do some creative things schematically to, you know, exploit an offensive line that I don't think moves super well laterally. That's the takeaway. Watch how they move laterally with the stunt game potentially being an opportunity for the Gophers D-line. Defensively in the secondary and with the linebackers, is the path to beating Drake may less blitzing and more man to man, or is it less blitzing and more zone coverage? Could there even be some rush three and drop eights to fill the passing lanes? Oh, most certainly. I would say you're going to play a lot of zone in this game. Uh, you know, tighten up the windows, tackle well, limit yards after the catch. Um, I, I believe that's probably the path and easier to prevent those, you know, quarterback scramble opportunities because you're really keeping everything in front of you. Uh, so, you know, you're going to rush four and drop in the back end and, you know, play quarters and cover two and cover three, mix those things in and dash your coverages, try to do some things as a skies and bait into a mistake. You know, you got one of the best defensive players in the country and Tyler Newbin back there, which is a huge luxury to be able to do things schematically and communicate, uh, you know, and get him involved in, in the scheme to potentially make a, a couple of big plays bait into mistakes. I'm watching that cat and mouse game. You got Drake May and you got Tyler Newbin in the back end and Wally and Jones on the outside, who I think both have played very well in the first couple of games. I noticed I, I not a lot of people said it, but the impact of Swag Daddy Nick Monroe coming in here. I, I thought the corner. It's a great nickname, by the way. Swag, Swag Daddy. Daddy. He has made a big difference in the technical components of this defensive back room. I thought they played really well the first few weeks, uh, limiting explosives, doing really good things. So uh, it, it's going to be a fun game, Ross. I'm, I'm very excited. You brought up you think there's passing yards to be had for the Gophers. Go back to, mm -hmm. and I don't always want to be the back in my day, back you know, in the most successful season's days, but I think you can learn a lot from them. When the Gophers were going really well, I know they had a lot of talent with Bateman and Tyler Johnson, even a younger version of Chris Ottman-Bell, who I'm still hoping we'll see at some point this season. Um, the Gophers ran those mid-to-deep crossing patterns to precision and just basically passed team to death with those routes. How do the Gophers get back to that point, or do they not maybe have receivers that that is a specific strength of theirs? Because I, I feel like that is a route 
to winning and passing for a lot of yards in college football just because not every team is built with a great secondary. So I think that is the way to get massive chunks of yards. But we just haven't seen a ton of that from the Gophers in recent memory. Yeah, they have the personnel to do. I think you're kind of holding some things back here. First game, you you got to do what you need to do to win the game. Uh, coming out first game, a lot of new wrinkles, so you kind of throw that one out. Then you look at Eastern Michigan, a game where you know you're going to be able to run the ball to win it. You got to try some things out, establish that physicality, get your O line in a mindset of where they're they're used to executing the responsibilities they have to. Now this is the game where you want to blend those things together, put the puzzle pieces. Uh, align them together and finish drives. I mean, that's one of the other things we didn't talk about. They're inside the you know 10 yard line twice, came away with three points early in the game. Think about if they're able to score on both of those. It's a different ball game. So they need to figure out some of those things. There's been incomplete aspects of the offense where now it's got to all come together. I look at, you know, like you said, the quick passing game, you know, they haven't done a lot of the RPO over the middle, but I think, you know, that's something that, you know, based on the strengths of the players, maybe you're better off being the under center bootleg type of team. Ethan can make all those throws on the speed cuts and, you know, the, the quick hitters in space in the flat and the bootlegs where you're able to get him out of the pocket roll play action and hit some of those crossers. So I think the crossing routes, uh, intermediate to deep crossing routes are going to be a big aspect of this game based on how North Carolina plays defense in the back end. Late in the game, Daniel, Really bad beat if you have the Gophers plus 20 and the Gophers couldn't put it in the end zone late in the game. Uh, How much groaning is there? It's been years since I've been in the Gopher football press box. People are aware. Was there some was there some laughter late in the game knowing that a lot of people lost a lot of money on that field goal at the end? Tell you, it was a pretty tame environment uh, in the press box. It was a pretty tame Uh, game to tell you the truth, too. I mean, the crowd was into it, but it was a pretty, pretty vanilla game. It wasn't, it wasn't like the first game. First game up there, gosh, it's like, man, I was, I was up till 3 in the morning, right? Because so people were yip-yapping up there a ton. And second game, it's like there is nothing going on. Like, this is beautiful. I can focus. Like, I, that's what I love about watching games at home when, when they're on the road is there's just absolutely no disruption. I'm one of these people. Yeah. I just want to zone in and watch the game. I want to track all this stuff and keep my eyes on things. And it's like, man, I just need – absolute silence final thought for you let's forget the caleb williams theatrics about will he stay in college won't he stay in college will he manipulate his way not to be the number one pick or go to a different team let's just assume that he's the number one pick right now is the next quarterback off the board drake may and if you look at recent nfl drafts i think by extension that would logically maybe make drake may the second overall pick is he still viewed that highly amongst people who really dig deep into the NFL draft? Yeah, he's probably in that sweet spot, but you know, someone like Quinn Ewers who improved his draft stock as well. He could potentially be moving himself up into that second conversation. Uh, I, I think this quarterback class is stacked Ross. I mean, you got Shadur Sanders now, is he going to go out? I mean, accuracy that that guy shows on being able to fit balls into windows and hit those crossing routes in stride. Uh, Michael Penix has had a nice year. Bo Nix is someone that NFL scouts have a lot of eyes on. J.J. McCarthy, is he going to be able to take a next step when the competition level goes up? My guy, Jordan Travis, who I think uh, maybe will send the most of any quarterback prospect uh, in this draft cycle. So I believe there's a lot of things that have to be 
we, we got to watch this whole season play out and determine, you know, who's shown the most growth. I don't like to make too many observations regarding players and teams until we get through the first four games, because that's when the anomalies start to play out, you know, play out. You're not, you're not dealing with a lot of, you know, schematic change and personnel thing. You're figuring things out by then. I guess. Well, and if a guy like Drake may has a bump in the road against a team like Minnesota or others, sometimes that changes how people feel about a certain prospect. So the Gophers in a roundabout way, will have a chance to uh, send Drake may's draft stock plummeting this Saturday at two 30 in Chapel Hill Daniel House likes the Gophers. I like the Gophers' chance to stay in the game and perhaps win it. I don't know if I feel comfortable to say that I trust the Gophers to win it, but I, too, am looking forward to a fun game, and I would not be shocked at all if the Gophers are 3-0 and by about 5.30, 5.45 on Saturday. Daniel, what can people find at gophersguru.com, and what do you want to guide people to? Yeah, got a lot of content out there. Uh, one on the interior defensive line against Eastern Michigan, some of the takeaways and film breakdown, and then offense looking at outside zone, how Minnesota can improve in the red zone and finish drives and why it could be key. And then watch for the preview of the North Carolina game. Some insight that I've found, I think will be X factors for the Gophers if they're going to leave Chapel Hill with a win. And at Daniel House MN on the X machine. Thanks, Daniel. We'll do this again next week. We'll review North Carolina and preview Northwestern. Thank you, buddy. Always good to see you, man. I'm Ross Brendel saying thank you so much for listening. And in closing, please remember to rate and review Minnesota Sports Chat on Apple and Spotify. Like, subscribe, comment on the YouTube machine now. Don't forget to tell your family and friends. All about Minnesota Sports Chat. And yes, if you are listening in that Score North Taxi Squad feed, I encourage you to subscribe to Minnesota Sports Chat wherever it is that you're listening and where you get your pods. Thank you so much. I'm back again early next week and then late in the week with Mr. Daniel House.